once you've got some cash reserves, don't go out and spend them too quickly. We are Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today and for other GC resources like downloads, just visit our blog, theecommerceleader.com. Today's sponsor is Eva, the most intelligent Amazon scaling toolkit online. Amazon sellers need exact, quick-to-read profit reports. Many sellers already pay a lot of money for these. Eva has world-class finance analytics with crystal-clear graphs included at no extra cost. Eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers, averaging a 51% increase in profits. To get a 15-day free trial, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com ba.com forward slash eva hey folks we are back at the e-commerce leader and we're talking today about how to not only survive but thrive in a downturn in e-commerce it may be that it's specific to your particular market it may be that e-commerce as a whole is challenged as people go back to physical shops now in early and mid 2022 and it may be that there's an overall recession in the economy. In each case, rather than reading the news and falling into doom and gloom, we need to stay positive in an intelligent way. And we have some principles that hopefully can help you do that. Today, we are going to focus on the principles where you can start to really gain market share and really produce a powerful business on the back of a difficult situation. So stay tuned. Hope it's helpful. And thanks in advance for listening. So principle number six is pivot your market if needed. So uh, there's a couple of potential pivots in this because I think they're both different, but really critical. So based on the star prints, I would say if you are in a market where the future is bleak because it's shrinking. For example, it's two, it's 2020 in about March, April, May, and you're in the travel market, as sadly a couple of my friends in London in the e-commerce space are were, then you may need to pivot rather swiftly. And that may mean selling up the business as one of them did. That may mean ramping up a service-based agency as another one of my clients did, which really brings you to principle number seven, which I'm kind of putting together, I suppose, in one way, because they're both about pivots. That's pivoting business model. So you may need to pivot market if you're in two or three markets and there are quite a few people in the mastermind. The, the, the prize is five brands that one of them runs, which is a bit extreme. Uh, but if one of those markets turns to ashes, then you need to pivot your money and attention into the one that's working. But in that case, there was a pivot of a business model from um, being more physical product based to being an agency working on behalf of the Amazon sellers who were doing very well because their markets have blown up. So in other words, you've got to really do what you need to survive. Yeah, totally agree. The pivot is vital in times of downturn. The product mix is where my mind goes here is do you have products that are optimal for a, a down economy? Some people do. We do. Actually, in our core business, we've always believed that we are optimized for the frugal-minded economic downturn scenario buyer and um, in, in Pixie Fair is what I'm talking about specifically. And, and that means that we know that when people have a flight to lower price options, they've come to us as opposed to the highest priced options in a market. So whether you have that or not, at the beginning of an economic downturn, you can certainly think it through for the economic downturn and reposition your product mix and even what 
you might call the modality, which is digital versus physical products. In your example, somebody moved from selling something to a certain, and there are a lot of related services to any uh, niche or industry that you could certainly pivot into. If you're really good at running social media, really good at running advertising, really good at building websites or copywriting, any of those things can be a pivot that move you away from a product that might be less than optimal for an economic downturn to one that would be an interesting bolt on if it fits strategically with your business directors. It's surprising to me, but it, interesting at, in the last few years, Apple, which we all think is a hardware maker, has shifted more and more of their top line revenue to service. And they've moved into digital. Google with YouTube mo moved into like video digital versus their core search product. And many businesses, ours, little businesses included, can think through how do we pivot our product mix to something that might be more positive for boom time economy and uh, secure and safe for a, a downturn time economy. And it's something to think through. And I think there's a lot of options there. The many podcasts could spin off just from that one topic by itself. But okay, let's keep going. What's your principle number eight? Just one tiny response to that. I, I guess what you were talking about getting the right mix of products, it feels a little bit like there's a, a famous way of putting a portfolio together that Ray Dalio, one of the most successful um, hedge fund uh, operators ever has talked about, which is really that if you've got things that go down in that, that respond to inflation badly, but other things that do well in an inflationary environment, and then the opposite and so forth, then yeah. what that can really do is create a very defensible portfolio that can actually almost have the best of both worlds. And that feels like the sort of thing you're talking about. So I think that's really it's exactly great. it's exactly what you do. If you're managing more than one product, if you've got a second product, then you've got the dynamic in which one could be better than the other in an upturn or downturn market. And that's absolutely what you want to think through. And then you've got uh, a couple of ways to approach any market where you emphasize one versus the other, depending on what's happening in the real world. So there you go. Yeah, th that flexibility. Uh, again, the productive paranoia, instead of going, there will never be a recession in my life because I'm a positive guy, there will never be a recession in my life because I'm a positive guy. You go, there may be a recession. And if there is, we're beautifully placed to ride it out. And then you can be genuinely you know, optimistic about yeah. the future, yeah. not Pollyannistic at it. Yeah, principle eight is timing your move, which is similar to keeping your powder dry, but they're two sides of the same coin. One is if you think there's a great opportunity out there, don't start splashing your cash on foolish things um, without really looking into, is this really, for example, is this really a great time to advertise or is it Amazon just inducing you to do so and make lots of money off you? Is it a great time to buy another brand or will you in fact struggle to swallow it and, and it, it may not be a, a good thing, etc. Yeah, totally. So, once okay. you time your move, that means really you've had time to look at things. And then there is probably an optimal time to do any of these moves. That, for example, if you look at the stock market, it just spiked right down in March 2020. There was like an almost an optimal week in which to acquire pretty much any stock ever in the FTSE in London or in, in the NASDAQ or in the S&P 500, whatever, the New York Stock Exchange. And I think that you get analogous moments in extreme times in any market, including in e-commerce. So I think sometimes there's just a sweet spot where you've followed companies for a while, you follow products, you product follow their product makes, you follow their advertising, and you, now's the time to strike. And that can be really when you transfer a lot of wealth from somebody else to yourself, if you get it right, I think. Okay, what's uh, what principle number nine? Principle nine is uh, what I call big fish shrunk pond. So <laughs> it comes back to the good old star principle or the Boston Consulting Group matrix, which is mm -hmm. in order to build a really valuable business or a valuable product line or both, you need to be part of a rapidly growing market. 
and you need to be the market leader by some margin. So you're, you, if you're talking about product lines, for example, you want to be selling pretty much twice as much revenue as anyone else in your market. Now, how you define a market, we could discuss forever. That's a whole podcast, but let's keep it simple and keep that principle in mind. The greatest time to acquire market share is when a market is small, not big. A simple seasonal version of that is you don't want to be advertising like crazy to build market share in you know October, November, if you have a seasonal product for Q4 for Christmas. Um, and in recessions, you get even more pronounced down and upside. So if you're courageous enough to invest in a market that's small but starting to grow again, that is when you can really dominate that market. And in the future, that market, once it's grown, with you at the front end of it staying you know, the leader can become very valuable. And I believe personally that is one of the principles that drives the incredible uh, companies that are everyday companies, that that principle of explosive growth and value growth. Yeah, you mentioned the star book, uh, Richard Koch is the book to me last week or the week before. I hadn't listened to it or, or read it before. Book. And I, by my bedside. <laughs> yeah, so what is fascinating because I have a major critique of his book, which I want to talk to you about, <laughs> and it fits in perfectly to this topic, which is he has two core principles, a fast growing uh, company and being the market leader uh, or being the market leader in a fast growing uh, niche or industry. But here's the wrinkle. There are many businesses that are in industries that are not fast growing, but their e-commerce sales for that industry is fast growing. So in other words, there's a different um, lens to look through other than just is the niche or industry fast growing. The question is the acceleration from offline to online sales happening quickly. And that is almost true of every <laughs> industry or niche, um, not all, but many industries or niche have old retail brick and mortar approaches that mm. are not fast growing, but their conversion to e-commerce is fast growing. And I personally know of a good number of really successful e-commerce operators that slipped right into the middle of that where they weren't a leader and it wasn't a fast growing niche. But because online they were early on Amazon or wherever, they caught the slipstream and really profited from that conversion from offline to online. So hmm. anyway, to your point, I think there's nuance here because what is a large industry offline that hasn't converted to e-commerce sales yet is different than a large industry that's converted to e-commerce. And honestly, some industries go slower and faster than others. It's not all equal from niche to niche. So anyway, that's my kind of uh, thought as it relates yeah, to star principle. Yeah, it's not all really a critique, about that it's is, an interesting wrinkle. Yeah. yeah, no, it's an interesting wrinkle for sure. It's an incredibly important one. I would go, say go back and read the book because the very first investment that Richard Koch invested, invested a million pounds, so about 1.4 million bucks, and turned it into 100 million in his very first investment. And that was in the thing called Betfair. And to your point, offline betting shops, so like I've occasionally been past them and they're full of old men in flat caps and smoking and kind of grim places. I'm personally not a fan of gambling, but that's a different kettle of fish. So anyway, so there were sad little places that weren't going that fast. When it went into its online version, Betfair, to your point, that was exactly the move, blew up his wealth. And that was his first of 16 investments, eight of which had been positive return, which is why I take Richard Koch seriously. But you're absolutely then a lot of markets go from online, offline to online and, and blow up in speed. And that is exactly why if you if and this is the key, you can stay market leader, they can be incredibly valuable for you. But what I would say is, 
The best time to become the market leader is when it's small because it's a lot less expensive. And then, of course, you've got to invest and reinvest to stay ahead of the curve and stay the market leader, which is the difficult piece, of course. I think we needed a whole podcast on this one because we, there, there's yeah. a lot of nuance there that's very interesting. Yeah. Okay. What's your 10th? So the 10th the principle really related to that, that you can grow by taking market share from other people through advertising, whatever, and you can grow through acquisition. So the 10th principle is swallow the smaller tasty fish. Um but uh, you may wish to reword that into something more tasteful, but go and hunt for, well, that's still a hunting metaphor, isn't it? Go and tastefully have chats to people who have businesses that are distressed and would like to get out of those businesses and offer to acquire them at a reasonable market value. That's the most polite version. But either which way, there are people out there who have actually got, and I'm one of my master, my mums is in that exact position. They have a lot of assets and some beautiful design and a lot of things. What they don't have at the moment is a profitable business. And because of various disasters that have befallen them, that's not like to happen and they're moving out of that market now that could be a great place it would be a real win for him and a win for the acquirer to go and say okay so we've got some let's untangle the stuff that's not helpful and not useful to us to the stuff that is useful so they might acquire the stock there might be some very useful intellectual property some beautiful image uh, assets etc so i think it can be done the right way be a very 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 mutually beneficial for both the acquirer and the you know the acquiree yeah, no, this is really key. But this this topic is really broad as well because Cinnamon and I have acquired 13 brands over the last five, four years, something like that. And people just capitulate at different times and say they're ready to retire or that kind of thing and want to sell their e-commerce business. And, and if you're growing and thriving and you have the opportunity to be a good uh, partner to them in the transition of their brand, it is an opportunity. And I can't remember the exact number, but I think I saw something that said in the United States alone, there's 800,000 businesses that close a year. I think it was in Roland Frazier's marketing for his acquisition uh, course. That is striking. And those people are, if they're not selling, then they're just saying we're done. And if it's in a niche or industry that you're operating in and you can say to them, hey, I've got, I see value and your product line and your intellectual property and all that. Is there an opportunity then to be that go forward owner? And even in the COVID pandemic, I don't know if you've watched the growth of some very large e-commerce operators, which again, this will be a whole different podcast, but that have basically purchased store retail stores that are going out of business grant cardone is who i'm thinking of and he's like pier one imports is a big store in the united states there are other big stores um, that are sporting goods that kind of thing and they were going out of business and he just bought all of their ip and their website domain and converted them into an e-commerce only operation and he's done that with store after store and you're right this is a perfect opportunity when an economic downturn exists to look for uh, the chance to see a brand that might you know be valuable in your niche that you could take forward that the uh, the owner might want to sell. So there you go. Yeah, I love that. Okay, that's the 10th principle. Any other final thoughts on that one before we wrap it up? Yeah, I guess a, a positive way of looking at this is I think the word entrepreneur, one definition of it is that you move capital from a low yield to high yield environment. And if somebody has some intellectual property that they've spent blood, sweat and tears developing and they're literally just going to close the doors and it, nobody will get you to use it and you can acquire it, well, what is for you a moderate sum and saves you an awful lot of development time or a patent, I mean, or, or a design for a product which saves you months and months of, of work, um, then that is a real win for both sides, I think, because otherwise they are just going to shutter the doors and you're going to miss out on something that already exists and reinvent the wheel, as it were. So I think done the right way and 
with compassion and tastes and, and you know good economics that can be a really positive move obviously you have a lot more personal experience i'm the guy sort of on the sidelines watching my clients selling and buying businesses with great interest yeah no it's an interesting topic in and of itself and we've done a podcast if you're listening to this and are interested in the idea of uh, acquiring other businesses we've done a whole episode on how to do that where i did some storytelling about what we've done and, and uh, examples of how to do that okay let's wrap it up man you want to do a, a summary recap and and uh, we'll wrap up from there Sure. Principles for 10 principles for surviving and thriving in a downturn. Principle one, price for profit. You may already have a price optimal strategy into your point, Jason, thinking about your pricing relative to the uh, market leader, which doesn't just mean increasing or decreasing. Principle two, use stock wisely. Don't just throw stock into the, the furnace of Amazon, particularly. Think about getting a return from it and, uh, potentially raising your price rather than just running out of stock. Principle three, cut early, cut ruthlessly, particularly cut product lines that aren't working for you and uh, wasteful advertising. Principle four, stash the cash, having plenty of reserves and productive paranoia, possibly a la Bill Gates. Principle five, keep your powder dry. Once you've got some cash reserves, don't go out and spend them too quickly. Be mindful about how you spend it. Principle six, pivot your market if you need uh, principle seven, pivot your business model if needed. And you talked about there's quite a few services that people have a, a lot of ability in. That's a fairly quick pivot for many of us if you have services that you are good at in your space. Pivot um, principle eight is time your move. So if you are going to use that powder that you kept dry, then make sure you do it at the time that is, if not optimal, at least good enough in terms of grabbing market share. Principle five, principle nine is be a big fish in a small pond. If, it's, if the pond has shrunk, that is a great time to grab market share. And principle 10, find, uh, potentially acquire other businesses that have been struggling a bit and have done the right way that could grow both your brand and give those uh, people some kind of payoff for their hard work in a distressing situation. I love it, man. Great topic today. And uh, so if you're listening right now live with us we'd love to have you hit subscribe on our youtube channel or the player that you're listening to or leave a comment below if you're on facebook and then of course we would love to have you give your highest and best review in your podcast player of choice if you're listening to this on a podcast player spotify is my podcast player of choice and i'd love to have people leave a review and and subscribe to the show on Spotify. But if you use Apple, that's cool too. We'd love to have you show some support for the show on that player as well. Michael, as always, it's an honor and a great list today. This is really valuable content and important time-wise in the economy. And hopefully this show serves people well for years and years to come. So thanks for putting a list together and walking through these. Thanks, Ben. Always a pleasure to discuss these things with you. And uh, yeah, I hope people find it. It's uh, thought-provoking for their business. Absolutely. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England and Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app for free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products and sales channels. Just go to www.theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.